So I, I titled the message, Good, Good Father. And I know you're shocked as to where that, that comes from, where that sentence comes from. Um, Chris Tomlin can call me if he has an issue with me using it. I doubt I'll hear from him. But it is a great song, and it is Father's Day. And I didn't, um, over the years, Shannon has said to me, like, hey, when it's a holiday, like, you know, throw a holiday topic in there or something. And so I didn't, but it is, it's there. Um, it's, we're dealing with spiritual fathers and we're dealing with Paul being a spiritual father to this church that he not only loved, but he started and was there for a traveling missionary. He was there a long time for Paul, an 18 month stint being in one place was a long time. And this church, I mean, this, this is not only a lengthy letter, there's another one right behind it. Um, this is one of the longer letters you're going to find in the New Testament, and it is fantastic on a lot of levels, but it also has things that we need to really take to heart. We need to do what we call self-inventory or spiritual examination. And he's dealing in this chapter, last week we talked about Paul being a steward of the gospel, that he wasn't just some guy that, that God appointed him and asked him to go and do what he was doing, and that it wasn't just like, here's just another teacher someplace or Here's just another guy, and you should listen to him. Why? Because somebody says he's great, or somebody, some denomination put a certificate behind his name, so you should listen to him. No, it wasn't that. It was God Almighty. It was Christ himself that gave the original apostles true apostleship. Truly, Jesus sent them. Now, I know that a lot of people will go, well, God sent me places too. That's true, and he will. But to stamp that name apostle on from Christ that was rare that was not tons and tons of people so they needed to listen for a lot of reasons but it's easy to discount people if you want to it's easy to be like I don't need to listen to them because of and then you'll come up with reasons and so they did that and they were a divided church and they were clicky and that sounds like a lot of churches today and we're what 1900 plus years later we're struggling with the same thing because all temptation is common to man it's, we, we all struggle with the same stuff, and we will continue to. So we talked about that. We talked about Paul's life, Christian experience, and last week he got into a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of like, hey, you know, what makes you guys so different? You guys are so great. You're so wealthy. You're so, you're, you've arrived. You've gotten so smart and so spiritually puffed up. You guys are amazing. What am I doing wrong that I'm poor and struggling, guys? Sarcasm. It's fantastic. Um, it is good stuff. It really is. You could do a, a bit on it easily. But Paul wanted them to understand that he was weak and poor and hungry, not because he wanted to be. Nobody wants that. Nobody wishes that upon themselves, but because that was the season God had brought him through. Paul said, hey, I know what it's like to have tons, and I know what it's like to live like the time that he wrote this letter, which was he was struggling big time. So many in the Corinthian church were the exact opposite. They were seeking comfort. They were chasing comfort. They were chasing wealth. They were, they were chasing pride. They were chasing knowledge. What kind of knowledge? He says, hey, what do you guys have that you haven't received? Like, what does anybody on this planet have that they weren't given? A lot of people think that they are so good, they just like, like if you use a, let's just use Michael Jordan for a second. Michael Jordan, at the time, when he was at the top, could have said, after interviews, after they asked him questions, you know what? I made myself, and I created myself, and I, you know, I, the, the, the perfect basketball player, I made myself in a lab, and so therefore, I deserve it all. He could have said that. 
Michael Jordan is not known for being a really, really, really humble guy. I know lots about him because he played, go he played uh, golf uh, two blocks from where I grew up, and he played basketball about 15 miles from where I grew up, and I watched almost every game because why wouldn't you? At the same time, I never heard that out of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wasn't a person that was taking credit for creating all of but he did work hard, and he did take credit for that. But still, he could have been sick. He could have been injured. There's a lot of guys that are that good that are injury prone. He wasn't. Why? Because God gave him a body that held up, period. That's how it was. So whoever you are, wherever you are, you have been given that. And so you have to take stewardship over it, whatever it is. It could be that you're just going to have a great career and God's going to give you 90 years on this earth. You're responsible for that. And you have to take that seriously. So in verse 14, Paul says, I do not write to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. Now that word shame usually has a word before it now in our culture. I'm not going to say the words. You guys know what they are. But there's lots of something shaming, whatever, whatever the term is. I don't want to say them because some of them are a little vile. But this is almost like spiritual shaming or um, they would feel that. He wasn't trying to do it, but they would feel like, you're church shaming me, Paul. Stop it. You're letter shaming me, because that's all they had was letters. He wasn't. He's saying, I'm not trying to do that. You guys have to hear the truth and not get offended. That's real hard to do. It's been said that mature Christians, when critiqued, aren't offendable because they understand what humility is. Humility is when someone comes to you you go, hey, I want to receive it, and be, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it to God. Whatever you say to me, I'm going to take it to God. And if God goes, yeah, I sent that person to say that to you, well, God, I'm sorry. And then you say to them, hey, thank you for saying that. Thank you for loving me enough to say that. I don't hear that very much. It's very difficult. But it's where we need to get to. It's like, it's like you're on a destination, and where you'd like to get spiritually is to where anybody can say anything to you. Who loves you? Who's, who's a person who's trying to build you up? I'm not just saying the guy that said something to you at the red light because you cut him off. You don't necessarily want to take that to heart. Um, we're talking about spiritual fathership, if you will, or spiritual mother, a spiritual mother, a spiritual father, a spiritual growth is what we're really talking about. Verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. So much in that you can literally do a teaching on this, first and second half. But let's just break it down. How many teachers could you find right now on YouTube if you wanted to? How many Bible people? People that are uh, trying to uh, tackle the hot topics, if you will. People that are trying to um, just ex um, exegetically go through books, uh, truly, truly exegete the text truly, truly, like, dig it up and go, hey, this is what it really means. Here you go. Great. Awesome. I listened to lots of those guys and have over the years. I'm talking more about, like, somebody who doesn't, who is just wanting for you to hear, and they just want views. They just want a huge channel. They just want millions of people to subscribe to them in the name of Bibles, Bible teaching or Bible studies. They don't want to know you. They don't want to comment. When you put a comment in and you go, hey, I like that. I was really blessed by that. Could you expound on this? They don't even look at your comment. I'm not saying that they can. I'm not saying that Mike Winger, who's the biggest 
the guy that I listen to that has the most subscribers. I'm not saying that he has enough time in the day that God's not, God's not being like, hey, now your life, I just want you to comment on YouTube comments. <laughs> said nobody ever. Seriously. If you comment on what people said to you back or you try to take their criticisms, you could probably spend the rest of your life doing it. It's not productive. Put the word out there. And if you have time to respond to people, great. If that's, if, I mean, I'm just saying if that's your thing, if God, if God has given you such a platform like he gave Mike Winger, and you should check Mike Winger out. He's amazing, amazing teacher. Mike has the heart of a pastor, and Mike was a pastor at, at a church in, um, I think, Santa Barbara, if I'm mis not mistaken. Um, definitely SoCal. He says, you guys have 10,000 instructors. This is insane for him to say this. Obviously, it's a little bit like, 70 times 70. He's not saying you actually have 10,000 people teaching you, but he's saying you guys have so many people instructing you that does anybody actually care about your growth? Or do they just care about you listening to them? There are so many people that will instruct you on something. And I use YouTube because if I don't know how to change a bulb in my car, there's 15 videos on how to do it on YouTube. That's the best part about YouTube is you can learn how to do anything. And if you are as inept as I am at fixing stuff, or I barely know how to do these, these, these uh, bulbs above your heads. Barely know how to do them. But you can figure out how to do it. Somebody will teach you. And there's ones for dummies, which is the ones I go to. He says, you guys don't have many fathers. Well, in Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. What he's saying is, I started the church. God led me to your church. Now it's a thriving church. God gave me this. You, ha you guys have no knowledge of how the church started. I mean, Maybe they knew a little bit about the early disciples, but Paul wasn't one of Jesus' original 12. I'm sure he talked about it a little bit. But what he's saying is you guys have to understand how God, I was persecuting Christians, and God saved me, stopped me, blinded me, and then discipled me personally. And I was, was brought to this place, what we would call Europe, and to your specific place, and now there's a thriving church there, God gave me you guys and vice versa, and I love you guys. I'm not saying anything to shame you, and I'm not saying anything to hurt you, but you have to understand the difference between a father and somebody who's a teacher. There are some great teachers out there. I've had great teachers. Um, and in Bible college, I had a few that were more instructors, and I had a few that were more pastors that were teaching me. But it is a very big difference in instructor. When you go to college and you have like English 101, at a state college and you have like 400 people in your class, your instructor may not even know your name. Throughout the whole semester, they may not even recognize your name. They are gonna grade your papers because they, they have somebody, some TA grab, uh, grade them through email, but they won't necessarily know you, but you, you may have learned from them. You may have learned stuff. That's awesome. If you saw them in a coffee shop, they wouldn't even look at you twice because they don't know you, even though they have taught you. At the same time, me, I've been to traffic safety school many times in my day. The instructors rarely care about you personally, but they definitely want you to listen, and they definitely want you to write your name down after every break to make sure that you're actually in there hearing them. And at the very end, when they hand you your certificate, it's not very genuine, I notice. They just hand it, Swanson, uh, Taylor. Uh. Okay, that's an instructor. Yes, they taught you. Yes, they did something good they got you off of the ticket but they don't love you 
They don't care about your spiritual future. They don't care about your growth. They don't even probably know what that is. In verse 16, he says, Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, Paul didn't have 55 young pastors that he could just dispatch to all the churches that he started. He likely had a few that he would trust. And we don't have to know the names of every single disciple that Paul had that, were, that was like a Timothy. But Timothy was pretty special and a fantastic pastor. And he's like, I'm going to send, I can't get there right this minute, but I'm going to send Timothy, who is my son, basically. And you're going to learn from the things that Timothy is teaching you. You're going to learn what it looks like to have a spiritual father, what it looks like to, to have a, a kid who wants to learn the things and wants to maybe even go into what the teacher is, is doing, the pastor is doing, but not necessarily. I've had lots of interns over the years. Very few have become pastors. It's okay. But the important part is to notice how special Timothy is to him to dispatch. It's not like a Southwest flight. Hey, he'll be there tomorrow. It's not like that. It's hard. It's hard to get people to places in their day. Paul knew this church was messed. He knew that they needed help, and he knew that they needed somebody that could handle it. And, and Timothy was that guy. He says, now, some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. Meaning, what happens now in our day, it's a little different with the social media, but what happens when you have, let's just say for argument's sake, you have a church that's been going for 15 or 20 years, and the pastor's like, he's not necessarily an old guy, but he leaves and he does like a, he's like, hey, I'm going to go do a mission a missionary stint for a year and see some of the churches that we planted, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come back in a year. And so he puts his assistant in the pulpit for a year. Brand new people may be coming in that year. They don't know him. They never heard him before. I mean, like I said, before YouTube and such. If that guy walks into the parking lot and it's his first week back and you have some, somebody that doesn't know who he is, they might treat him like, eh, who are you? He's like, I started this church. I'm, I'm the pastor. No, you're not. I know the pastor. You're an idiot. I'm, no, I really am. Like, not that that would happen. I'm sure something like that has happened. But when someone's not there and they're instructing you from afar, a lot of people go, why don't you show up and say it? Why don't you even care enough to say it in person? Well, like I said, it wasn't that easy. It's not that easy. Paul was in a bad position in a few different ways. Um, some would argue that he was about to be arrested at this time. There's, there's so many different opinions on this. I'm not going to tell you that that's for sure. But I will tell you that there was definitely some trouble coming Paul's way. Because um, about every month there was with Paul. So it's always, it's always safe to say that. But some are puffed up like, if he's not going to come here, we're just going to take over. Second, there's a vacuum in a church. The second somebody takes off or the second a guy, maybe a guy is fired or a girl is fired from her job in ministry, there's like, a, there's like people like, I'm already ready to take it without even anybody asking him to take it. There are many, many, many stories about this. I'm not going to get into any of them. Um, they almost don't end well. Almost all of them don't end well. But some of you guys are super puffed up, and the reason is I'm not going to listen to anybody who doesn't show up personally. Well, that's a horrible attitude to have back in their day. He says in verse 19, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. Paul is a guy who understood that every day, every week, every month was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. That is very rare nowadays. 
in a day where travel, like I said, was not every hour. You can get on, you can go to the airport and go anywhere you want today. You'll get there today, likely, if it's not a holiday. You can get in a car and pretty much drive anywhere in America in less than a week. You could be 3,000 miles from here. Not so easy in their day. Not so easy with Paul's financial situation, which was bad. And Paul was not a guy who'd be like, hey, you guys need to give me money. You guys need to be at least, like I talked about last week, you need to be tithing at least 15%. I need 15% to the Paul tent-making ministries enterprises. He didn't say that to them because he never wanted money to get in the way and he never wanted these people to under, he never wanted them to think, I wonder if he'd say that if we didn't give him any money. I wonder if he'd still love us if we didn't give him any money. Money is a huge stumbling block at a lot of churches and in a lot of organizations, secular, nonprofit, and the like. Money changes people. It's very, very, very unfortunate the way it is because we need it. Zig Ziglar used to say it's fairly important. It's reasonably, reasonably close to oxygen. It is. It's true. We need it, but it's, it shouldn't be what it is. You guys agree with that? It should never be what it's become. He goes, if, if God wills, I'll be there. I, I would be there shortly. I, I would get on the next merchant ship if I could. It's not that easy. I'm going to send you somebody who can, who's younger, and, and he's ready for the job. He will be there, and he will tell you the things that I really want to say because the letter, letters are short. I mean, how much can you really give somebody in a letter? How long does it take? And Timothy had it all in his head, all the things that they'd been through. So he says, I'm, hey, if the Lord wills, I'll be there. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up but the power. Let's just see if they're accessing the Holy Spirit power or their own power. And that's usually pretty easy uh, to figure out with, with it when you're a discerner like Paul was. But like I said, people get upset when they can't talk to the man in charge, the woman in charge, the CEO, whoever the person is that's calling shots. In this case, Paul was not able to be there. It's a little like sometimes, I haven't seen this every time, but I have worked in some pretty big churches, some in Chicago and uh, one here in this, in uh, Arizona. And sometimes people would come to me and be like, do you know why we left the church? I'm like, no, because so-and-so wouldn't have lunch with us. Well, he doesn't even have that many hours or he's not even allowed that many calories as to how many people want to have lunch with him each week. It's not possible. They get mad, they leave. If God calls you to go to a church and stay at that church and you go, because I can't get lunch with the guy or this person or this person or wherever, I'm leaving. Do you, have you run that past your real father, God Almighty? When you get to the next place, you get frazzled and mad just as fast or faster. I've seen it. I've seen people over the years swing through from other churches. They don't last long. It's just the way it is. You've got to deal with your stuff or you'll take it to the next church. It's just the way it is. Paul knew that. He's saying, let's, say, let's, let's see. I'll know the word of those. Excuse me, I'll know not the word of those, but I'll know the power of those who are puffed up. Pride is a, once again, spiritual pride and pride in general is a, is a brutal deal. Desperately wanting to set things in order he puts his, he doesn't just say, no matter what, I'm going to be there next week. I don't care what God has for me. I'm going to come to your place. Well, maybe, maybe God wanted Paul to relax a little bit and be like, hey, Timothy's got this. I got Timothy and he's got this. Because if you read this letter straight to start to finish, you can see how worked up Paul is. 
He's not worked up angry. He's mad at everybody. He's worked up like, man, this is real disorder. This is bad news. So the, the, the people in this church, the, the cliques, the dividers, the sectarianists, he's trying to say, hey, they talk a great game, but let's see if they have any real power behind it. Uh, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It's not just words, not just lip service, not just church talk, not just Jesus glitter, not just religious words, not just Christianity written down, whatever you think it should be. It is the real power of God. And that is the thing that humbles hearts. That is the thing that allows people to go, you know what, I'm gonna put my differences aside. I'm gonna put all the issues that I have right now and I'm gonna say, hey, you know what, God? Maybe those are just me and maybe I just need to take a chill pill and maybe I just need to sit before you and relax. It's true, a lot of us, some, I mean, when you, when you see an issue and you get irked or triggered by an issue, it's very hard to stop and go and take it to the Lord and be like, I'm gonna wait on you. Because God may tell you, well, we're gonna wait a while to fix this. Mm, we don't like waiting a while. Americans don't like to wait for anything. That's why everything is 15 seconds or less now. Everything, I can have a pizza here in five minutes right now. From while I'm teaching, I can do it. Little Caesars app. Uh, verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. What do you want? What do you guys want? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness? Now, that is an interesting verse. We're going to talk about that for a second because it is good stuff. Paul says, should I come in harshly or should I come in gentle? You guys choose because when I come, I am going to set some stuff in order and I'm not going to, I'm not going to, it's not going to be an easy conversation. Let's just put it that way. And whoever shows up to the meeting, whoever shows up to hear me teach or hear Timothy, if I can, we're going to know based on the power. Well, it's sort of like Elijah and, and the prophets of, of uh, Baal. Like, okay. Elijah's just, he's just waiting on them. Hey, do your thing. Say what you got to say. You know what? Start promising stuff. And I'm going to wait on God. And that's what Paul was going to do, and that's what Timothy was going to do, and he knew that he could count on it because he had known the power of God to sustain him all these years. So I've heard a few pastors say this in counseling over the years. When they sit down with people, let's just say for argument's sake, uh, a wife tells a husband, go see pastor so-and-so about your porn problem. Okay, so the guy goes in there, and he's like, what are you here for? I'm here because of porn. What? Uh, my wife made me come here. Oh, great. So you don't really want to be here? No. All right, well, we're not going to get very far, but let's just go at you really, really hard, and I'm going to hit you with a spiritual rod real hard. Why? Because it doesn't matter anyway. If somebody's not going to listen to you, if somebody has made a decision in their heart that is anti-Bible, whatever that decision is, it will not matter if they are not willing to take it in and if their pride is going to flex you can read them every. You could read them twenty-five verses that tell them that they're wrong, and they won't hear one of them. Not kidding. That has happened to me a lot. It happened to me yesterday with somebody. It does not matter. They will not hear it. So, one guy specifically, um, I heard a sermon. I don't know, twenty years ago, and he goes, "This guy comes in, and it was porn, and he had an affair." And uh, guy comes in, and the guy goes, "I don't even understand what the big deal is. Like, so many guys are doing this." And he just, he just started, like, yelling at this guy. And I think he said that a couple of weeks later, like, God just, like, crushed this guy. And he came in super different. He came in 
He's like, man, like he, it was like the publican that beats his chest, and he's like, God, I am a horrible sinner. And then he came at him, and he goes, dude, brother, we love you. We're here for you. Yes, you sinned. Yes, you're wrong. You're, you're repenting as we speak. You've repented to your wife. Now, what happens next is, not out of, is outside of your control, but at least you can control your heart and repentance. You can say, God, I messed up. And some people that their sins aren't in that realm, like the, those are like the, the ugly sins over here. The appropriate sins are the gossip and the pride and the stuff that nobody can see and very few people can sense, and you can hide it and mask it better than any of those sins. Those, those are sometimes harder because they don't want to, they hear you and they're like, yeah, 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 that's a great word. That's a great word. But it doesn't, it just goes in this one and out that one as fast as it came in. But I love that. They say, one guy says, and pardon the language, it's a little bit older. He goes, if you come in and you love your sin, I hate you. If you come in and you hate your sin, I love you. Obviously, I'm not saying that he hated the guy. I'm saying it's, it's the, that idea of I, if you come in and you're, you're in my office wasting my time and you love your sin and you relish it, just get out. Just get, not get out of the office, get out of the church. Leave. Paul would say, and he will next week in, in chapter 5, expel the person. If a person in your church is professing Christ and doing what these guys were doing that I just said, you need to tell them, so you're not going to stop being unfaithful to your wife? Nope. Then you are not welcome in this church until you repent. And may God have mercy on your soul because now I release you to Satan. It's not a popular thing to say anymore. Do you guys know this? It's really not popular. Um, the, the pastor that says it, as I just did, is very unpopular on YouTube um, because people don't like to hear sin. They love to hear all the other slick messages, the funny ones, the amount of jokes that, you know, it's almost on par with the comedies, with like a stand-up comedy routine. You're like, wow, this guy is so, so funny. Shannon told me um, there was a kid she was talking to um, from my youth group years back, and she came out of uh, a teaching and she said something, and the girl goes, Sh Shannon goes, what did you learn? She goes, I don't know what he was saying, but he sure is funny. <laughs> and I, I mean, I died laughing because I heard this. I was in the same sermon. It was a different age group. But um, I know she probably didn't actually mean that, but it was, he is a very different teacher today, very much. There's a lot less comedy and a lot more substance nowadays, but youth pastors, if you've been a youth pastor before, sometimes there's a lot of pressure to hold the audience, especially when they're 12, and they had phones back then. It was only 10 years ago. It is difficult to get the word into a 12-year-old that spends five hours or more on a phone every day. It's very difficult. But sometimes you have to say stuff that shocks them, and, and that definitely shocked. When, when this guy heard this pastor say that, he was really shocked. But he says, hey, I don't want to tease next, uh, next study, but when you tell somebody I release you to Satan, what are you saying to them? Bro, this is the last thing that you're going to hear out of this church's mouth. Do you want that to be, hey, keep cheating on your wife. It's wonderful. Great job. You're a great man. Or do you want to hear Satan's outside. You're going to be outside very soon, outside of these walls, and he's going to deal with you. Ugh, that's hard. It's hard to hear. But... What's better, a guy who goes out there and gets beat up and comes back to the faith or a guy who just comes to church and is unfaithful to his wife until the day that he dies? I don't want 
to see that interaction between that guy and God. But I would like to see the repentant guy who goes, man, I messed up my life, but at least I have Jesus. I'd like to see that because there's a lot of that coming in this world. So just, I know we're over time again, shocker. A um, couple, couple of quick things. People that are very proud, especially in the American church, maybe, maybe the whole church, but I only know of a lot of the churches that I've been to in this country, they're very difficult to confront these days. The world around you, social media, media in general, the world around you tells you that no one is allowed to come and step on your truth. I emphasize the word your. Where in the world did we ever come up with truth as humans? We are living in a world somebody else put us in, and that somebody is pretty magnificent because he made the universe. We can't even build stuff to get to the end of our solar system. And his, his stuff goes out a million light years, and he's like, he can shrink it if he wants to by speaking. We should probably listen to that guy and not the guy on TV. Just a shocker. I know. I know. You've probably never heard that before. People are very difficult to confront. They make themselves out to be victims. Why? Because the world tells you you're a victim. Guess who else loves to tell you you're a victim? That guy that came in and talked in the garden. Why are you being held out on? You can't have that wonderful fruit. It's the same as that tree. They're identical. Just don't eat that tree. Why? Because it's just a test of obedience. I'm asking you to believe me and believe my word. Somebody comes in and goes, no, 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 no. You will not die. You will be like God. You'll be better than you are right now. You'll be amazing. You'll be glorified. And what is the real attack right there? The real attack is you can't trust this. You can't trust God. You can't trust his word. You can't trust the pastor who's reading the word. Why? Because the world tells you otherwise. Everybody's a victim now. And so the real issue never becomes the real issue. One of the recent conversations... I had, I couldn't believe how many things this person was telling me. And I'm like, I know, but you messed up, but you did something seriously, seriously wrong. Yeah, but other people aren't on my side. I know, but they shouldn't be because you're wrong. It's like, it's like a bunch of prisoners in the yard, and one of the prisoners goes, dude, you are such a mess. You literally are a lawbreaker. What are we doing here in the weight room at Chino Federal Prison? We're all lawbreakers. Yeah, but you really are one. I know, but you're doing a 50-year stint. I'm just saying you are. That's all I'm saying. Spiritual fathers, secondly, are incredibly rare. It's a sad deal, but they're incredibly rare. There's a lot of people who will give you spiritual advice, and they will give you spiritual commentary, but they do not care about your heart. Be careful with people out there. Be careful with online teachers that you will never meet. There are many that would take that position, and they would love to have you be a disciple of theirs, and they would love to have you be one of their followers and subscribers. Smash that like button, would you? But they're not. They don't, they don't care. They really don't care. They will never know you. They will never, ever reach out to you. I'm not saying don't watch great teaching. You should watch great teaching as much as you're able to take in. Be careful who you really, really, really take advice from, though. And lastly, we need to be willing to hear the truth of God's word, especially when it's difficult. If somebody comes up to you and goes, you know what, I just wanted to give you a criticism. You're just too awesome. 
okay, well, I'll try not to be so awesome. All right, I'm glad we had this talk. Okay, that's probably not going to happen, but it does happen from time to time uh, with people looking to butter people up. But when somebody comes to you that really loves you, that's really actually a friend of yours, and says, hey, I got I to chat with you about something. Don't put the wall up right away, you know, because it's like a trap door. Like, oh, I'm going to put that person over a trap door, and I'll just hear words, and I won't even look at them, and I won't even take any of this to heart. We need to be willing to do it because we need each other. Like, the, the church really, like, all of you guys have something super special, something that God gave you that you're good at something that I'm not, that she's not, that he's not. You really are. And so when we love each other and when we come together, we watch out for one another. It's like, like looking out for wolves. Like a lot of us together can really look out for one another. But we're also, if we're super close and in super close proximity, there's going to be some ruffled feathers from time to time because we're humans. And so let's not just throw people out because of that. Let's not be like, oh, no, I don't ever want to listen to one word they ever say again because they offended me once. Why? Because they took my parking spot. They don't even know it's your parking spot. I know, but I thought I put my name on it. Why are you putting your name on our parking spots? You shouldn't. It's just the way we are. We're like so prone to that. I am prone to that. It's, it's, we need to look at the word of God and say it's, it's able to be given back to us. It's able to be like somebody can come to me and go, hey, I noticed something the other day and I, I, I hate doing this, but I feel like God told me to say this. Be like, hey, thanks, thanks for doing it. I, I used to be bad at this. I'm gonna, I literally will be done in less than a minute. Um, I, I mean, I'm not great at it, but I used to like just, hey, I was so afraid to have somebody say something. I was confronted years back by, by this person, and, and what he said was probably, I don't know if it was 100% accurate. I, I had probably said it a couple times in, in a few sermons, but he goes, hey, I just you know wanted to let you know that maybe just be a little bit more gentle as it pertains to this issue. And I said, hey, thank you for saying it nicely. <laughs> that was so great. Like, you, you took me to lunch to confront me, and I don't normally like that, although I appreciate the burger. Um, it was a good burger, not going to lie. Uh, but it was he, – he did it, like, super lovingly, and he is kind of a guy who normally would be – he does it a lot. He does that kind of stuff a lot. Um, and maybe that's his gift. I don't know. Um, but he did it. I was in no way offended by it. And I didn't even think that I did it as much as he said, but I was like, hey, I'm going to look at that. I'm going to look at what he said um, because this is the nicest way I've been confronted in a long time by anybody that went to my church. So, all right, once again, I'm, I'm way over up. Um, let's pray. Um, God, we are thankful that you still are patient with us. And that uh, as long as it is called today, we can call out to you, we can repent, we can uh, admit to you that we miss your mark hourly, minutely. Uh, we do, Lord, and we miss it all the time. And we do need your word um, hidden in our hearts so we will avoid more of these sins, more of these things. Um, God, I do pray that we would um, deal with each other with grace and truth like Christ did, as he lovingly told people the truth, but he did it lovingly and especially those that were, that were followers. Um, it, was, it was just, it was perfect. And so we, we pray that we can talk to one another that way, respect each other, love each other, 
the way you would have us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.